Welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast, interdisciplinary conversations about new works in the broad world of business research. I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast or sharing with others who might like it too. And if you have ideas for future episodes, let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Our guest today is Anita Krug, Dean and Professor of Law at Chicago Kent College of Law. We'll be discussing your article, Temporary Securities Regulation, which is forthcoming in the Washington and Lee Law Review. I'll have a link to the article in the show notes for the episode. Anita, welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thank you. I wonder if we could start this conversation by defining some terms. Your article is titled Temporary Securities Regulation. It's a very intriguing title. Just what do you mean by temporary securities regulation and what motivated you to write on this topic? Temporary securities regulation refers to the temporary rules that the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission adopts in times of crisis, including the pandemic that we are enduring. The rules generally apply to public companies or possibly public funds, such as mutual funds and ETFs. And their purpose generally is either to provide relief from particular regulatory requirements that may be difficult to comply with as a result of the crisis, or possibly to protect industries that have become particularly vulnerable during the crisis. And once the crisis is over, the rules then expire because they're temporary. I wrote about the topic because as a securities law scholar, I know that crises, which often severely impact financial markets, create conditions that increase risks of bad behavior. That caused me to wonder whether and how the SEC's temporary rules and particularly the leniency they often provide could actually be making matters worse at the expense of investors. In your paper, you give three case studies of temporary securities regulation, the aftermath of the September 11th attacks, the 2008 financial crisis, and then, as you mentioned, at the top, more recently, the COVID-19 pandemic that we're still obviously living through. What kinds of temporary regulations did the SEC put in place for these crises? And what concerns or what moments of the crisis or the crises did they respond to? I will respond on the case studies in the same order that you just mentioned them. In the aftermath of 9-11, the SEC adopted a number of temporary rules that allowed public funds to borrow money from their affiliates, such as their investment manager or their directors or officers, and also to deviate from their governing policies regarding borrowing and lending. The purpose of these rules was to give public funds broader ability to borrow money to fund investor withdrawals in lieu of liquidating portfolio positions, which at that point were arguably undervalued as a result of the market crisis. The temporary rules at that time also allowed public companies greater flexibility to buy back their own stock, which could help them maintain their stock price during the crisis. So you can see the idea overall here, which was to help public companies and public funds manage a period of substantial market volatility after the terrorist attacks, which occurred at a time that markets were already falling as a result of the dot-com crash. Now, in the 2007-2008 financial crisis, the SEC's temporary rules had a bit different flavor. The primary ones involved prohibitions on naked short sales of the stock of financial institutions. So in other words, 
prohibitions on engaging in short sales of these financial institution stock without having first located the stock be delivered to the buyer on the settlement date. Ultimately, the SEC adopted a full range of short sale related requirements, including a requirement that institutional investment managers, so large asset managers, report their short selling activity to the SEC on a weekly basis. The SEC's concern here was that there was a significant risk of sudden and excessive, those are the SEC's words, sudden and excessive market volatility due to the spread of false rumors about the condition of financial firms. The intent behind the rules was to prevent that volatility through means of halting a trading practice often used by speculators predicting that a company's stock price is going to fall. Fast forward to the pandemic, the temporary rules looked much more like those the SEC used to address market volatility after 9-11 in the sense that the rules were less about protecting certain industries and the markets more generally, and really more about providing some regulatory relief to market participants. Included among them was a rule that allowed public companies and public funds to delay filing certain public disclosure documents based on COVID-related circumstances. So for public companies, this included Forms 10-Q, 10-K, etc. And as a result, information that would have entered the market on, say, April 15th, 2020, might not have been available until May 15th, 2020. Additionally, in rules similar to those that the SEC adopted after 9-11, the SEC allowed public funds to borrow money from and lend money to their affiliates, including by selling debt securities to affiliates. And corresponding to those rules, the SEC also gave funds once again permission to deviate from their governing policies regarding borrowing and lending. The purpose behind this leniency was not surprisingly the same as after 9-11, which was to allow funds to fund investor withdrawals without necessarily liquidating portfolio securities. The SEC has had some experience over the years with responding to crises, with responding to emergencies. Is there any evidence that it has learned from its past experiences in responding to crises? And has that shaped the way that temporary securities regulation has emerged since? I think it's really difficult to discern at this juncture that the SEC's responses have changed over time, at least insofar as temporary rulemaking is concerned. And I say this because the temporary rules that it adopted during the pandemic are very similar to those adopted in the aftermath of 9-11. On the other hand, it's difficult for me to be too critical about this fact because despite the fact that the crises I focus on have spanned 20 years, the agency has engaged in temporary rulemaking during only three crises. And not surprisingly, different SEC leadership have led the agency's response to each of these crises. Fortunately, the SEC does not need to engage in temporary rulemaking every year. A really intriguing part of this paper is your discussion that, or your argument that temporary securities regulation could have real experimental value could help better inform permit rulemaking. How would that work? This is the part of my paper that requires further exploration in my further work. The possibility of regulatory experimentation came to my mind because 
some of the temporary rules that the SEC adopted last year have served to update archaic rules that originated with the enactment of the securities laws way back in the 1930s through 1940. And they have done this, it seems, without creating any additional risks to markets or investors. A good example here is the temporary rule allowing mutual fund boards of directors to meet virtually over Zoom or or what have you throughout the pandemic. The requirement under the securities laws is that public boards must meet in person to vote on certain recurring matters, such as the annual renewal of the agreement between the fund and the fund's investment manager. At this point, most boards would agree that the option to have virtual board meetings should not expire even after it is safe to travel again, as I think they generally believe that virtual meetings are every bit as effective as in-person ones in terms of such things as permitting robust discussions and full presentation of information. And virtual meetings are much more efficient than in-person meetings are, and, and the SEC seems to agree. But we wouldn't have gotten to this point but for this temporary rule. So my thought is that rather than the SEC going through the full range of procedures that it does in connection with adopting or amending a permanent rule, perhaps the agency could evaluate some possible rules and particularly those that are more procedural as opposed to the substantive mandates in part by in effect, trying them out as temporary rules first. So oftentimes the SEC in in rulemaking or any administrative agency in rulemaking has to proceed with some absence of evidence for the efficacy of the rulemaking or the, the optimality of the rulemaking. But it sounds like one simple way to get that evidence or to get that data is to just experiment a little bit. And these might be some opportunities to do, especially as you mentioned, the lower stakes scenarios, more procedural rulemaking. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. But as mentioned, this is something that I I need to focus on more and and do some more work on. That might be some of the promise of temporary securities regulation and temporary rulemaking. But are there any aspects of the concept of temporary securities regulation or the applications you've seen that have given you some pause or that might be worrisome? Yes, I note a couple of them in the paper. I think the rule allowing delayed public disclosure filings is problematic because that rule delays the disclosure of information, pure and simple. And then one hopes that that disclosure, when it comes, is accurate information about any given company. And these delays, I think, are especially problematic during a market crisis such as the pandemic, at least at the beginning, because crises are often accompanied by securities fraud and and market participants' sheer fight for survival. And yes, public disclosure reports can themselves be the source of fraudulent information, but I think we can take some comfort in the fact that a company's principal executives are subject to criminal prosecution for any misstatements that they make in these reports. This is not the case for disclosures made through press releases and other means. Second, I think the leniency the SEC provided to public funds during the pandemic to borrow from and and lend to affiliates is pretty problematic. And of course, there were similar rules in the aftermath of 9-11. Financial arrangements between a public fund and its managers or other affiliates 
are generally prohibited under the securities laws because of the conflicts of interest inherent in them. And once again, this worry is especially acute during crisis circumstances, given that those circumstances also create challenges, not only for public funds, but for their affiliates, which in turn could increase affiliates' incentives to take advantage of conflicted arrangements with whatever public funds are at issue. What key takeaways would you like listeners to have from this conversation or from this paper? And specifically, if there are any regulators listening, what would you like them to think about? The key takeaway, I think, for readers generally are simply to know about temporary rules and to be aware that during crises, these rules actually may be pulling back on certain regulations designed to protect investors. For regulators, my overall message is that when they are formulating temporary rules, they should focus more on how the nature of the particular crisis at hand, including the impact that it is having on particular industries, may counsel for or against adopting particular types of temporary rules or exempting particular industries from them. In other words, I think more precision may be necessary in some cases. So in short, my point is that depending on the nature of the crisis, the benefits that certain temporary rules may provide to public companies and public funds may have unwarranted costs for investors. Our guest today has been Anita Krug, Dean and Professor of Law at Chicago Kent College of Law. We've discussed her article, Temporary Securities Regulation, which is forthcoming in the Washington Lee Law Review. I'll link to the article in the show notes for the episode. Anita, thank you for joining the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Scholarship Podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to the podcast or leaving a rating on your favorite podcast app, or let other people know about it too. If you have suggestions for future episodes, please let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Until the next time, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings.